You're listening to Unbutton, the podcast brought to you by the editors of Yahoo Style. We're going to be at the intersection of pop culture, awesome things, and cool stuff we like. We're not just talking fashion, we're talking style. I'm Joe Z, the editor-in-chief of Yahoo Style. Now, we have a great lineup this week. Today, I'll be talking to author Kevin Kwan, and then we'll be breaking down our big five stories of the week. And of course, as usual, we'll be wrapping it up with our signature game of Cards Against Fashion Humanity. So let's get the show started. Okay, so I'm very excited today for our interview because joining me and Beef and Sue, our special projects director at Yahoo Style, is author Kevin Kwan. Woo! Yay! Yay! Thank you for joining us today. So if you know Kevin, he is the author of Crazy Rich Asians and most recently, China Rich Girlfriend. Thanks for joining us, Kevin. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I have to say that we stalked you for a while. Beefin and I did. Huge fans. <laughs> and that I your was book... away. I'm sorry. I'm back now, so... <laughs> I know. That's that's what a really popular author is. They're never available. But um, So wait, so I have to have to give you a quick fangirl moment right now. So Crazy Rich Asians, I had and I like started reading it and I was like oh my god I love this book and then I started reading it then I started staying up later and I would read a chapter and be like what happened Astrid oh no I have to keep reading and then I would like read another chapter and then the sun would come up and I read your entire first book in maybe two days those moments in your life when books are so good I can tell you like memoirs of a geisha when that came out and I was like not realizing I liked it as much and I would like read it walking down the street and one day I was walking to work and I was like I'm just gonna finish this chapter and I sat at a bus stop outside my office and then I ended up reading for four hours oh on a bus stop ch- bench and then went up. I was like, this is crazy. I'm like losing my mind. But I love that feeling. Do you like you that feeling? Can't but, let go of a but you know what I'm talking Best. about. Did you know your books would be like that? I had no clue. No? No clue until I started sharing it with some writer friends. And then they, they started reacting that way. You know, and, and when your, your friends who are jaded writers start reacting and telling you that they were up all night, then you start going, hey, maybe, maybe I have something here, you know? So my crazy moment and the crazy way I acted is not unique to me. Not at all. <laughs> I'm so excited. But I'm very, very touched. Very oh, flattered. No, but it's so true. And then, so then that's why I'm being honest with you now and saying I have not read your second book, China Rich Girlfriend, but not because I don't want to. Was It's because I do want to too much. And I was like, there was two years between you writing this and I would scour the internet every day to say, when is the next book coming out? And I was so mad that when it finally came out, I bought it on opening day. It sits on my nightstand, but I'm not going to read it until later so that the gap can be a lot smaller. <laughs> well, I hope you won't be disappointed. Oh, I know I won't be disappointed. Every now and then I get so tempted. I was It's equally a, a quick read. I know. Like Beefen was like, she's like, have you not read it yet? I'm like, no. She goes, just get it on Kindle. I'm like, that's not the point. I'm not reading it because I'm saving it. Once you start, you won't be able to stop. That's why. That's why. But what was the genesis for China Rich Girlfriend, though, Kevin? I always knew that the second book had to go to China because my first idea was it was going to be called Crazier, Richer Asians. <laughs> and where do you find them? You find them in mainland China. And, you, you know, even living in New York, you see this overwhelming amount of Chinese money. It's present everywhere. You go to Bergdorf's, you go to Barney's. The only people shopping are these... China rich people, you know, what I, which, which I now call CRGs, you know, China that, rich girlfriends. That's amazing. Um, so it's, it's sort of infiltrating the world. Like I know, but we just before. had a, like a mini economic crash recently because of China. I mean, do you think that's just a correction? Do you think it'll just swing back? Or do you think it is all just smoke and mirrors in terms of all that money? I think it's a combination of all three. I think a lot of it is a bubble. There are smoke and mirrors. But what's powering it is this, you know, 1.5 billion people. So I think they bounce back much more quickly because there's this engine that's behind the economy that's real. 
and that's the population. And when you have a population that's so singularly devoted to making money, it's going to happen. So if it starts in Singapore and they're already crazy rich Asians and it goes to China where they're crazier and richer Asians, where do you end up? Who is the craziest richest Asians out there? Well, you will see in book three. <gasps> oh, I feel like you already know it's in your head. I'm like, what is left? What untapped territory in Asia? Because I may need to, I may need to visit it. Joe needs dot, to go dot, there. Dot. <laughs> Did you know that when you were writing these books or even the first book that you would get the reaction that you're getting? Did you know that Beefin and I, along with your huge cult fan base, would be freaking out over these books? I really didn't. I mean, I, I wrote these books. The first one, I wrote it just for me. It was just a fun experiment in writing. And I just I had no idea what I was doing, quite frankly. I just wanted to do something fun. I wanted to sort of kind of it was an, a way for me to like relax. I was doing a really, really tough project. I was r- doing a book for Oprah Winfrey at the time. So I was commuting oh, to God. Chicago every week. I had a lot of time to kill, you know, plane delays, airports. So I just, this was a fun project. This was a way for me to like to just sort of access my humor and to do something fun for myself. And then when I started letting people read it, the reactions that would come back were like, oh my God, you know, like you ruined my Thanksgiving. I had a friend that I gave with a manuscript. And she ended up not cooking for her family. Like, she just could not put it down. Okay, I'm calling her. We need a support group together. I know exactly how she feels. But I know Beefin was so specific. Like, every day she'd come to work and think, well, I have to ask this question. I have to ask that question. (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, I feel I wanted to understand. I know there's so many things rooted in reality and so many people that were based on real people and real events. I wanted to see where you got all the inspiration from, if you even, you know, lived it or met these people. Yeah, how much of it was real? I made real? it all up. You did? Every little, you know, just, it's a fairy tale. It's a complete fantasy. Lies. Just kidding, no. Uh, Tell us where everything came from, or some things, at least. Well, you know, I was born in Singapore, and I grew up there and spent the first 11 years of my life there. But as I always say, once a Singaporean always a Singaporean. Or once an Asian, always an Asian. You can't get away from your your tribe, if you know what I mean. So even though I moved to the States, friends would visit, family would visit, and then I would go back and visit Asia. And I'd always be pulled into this very specific world of, of, of CRAs, of crazy rich Asians. And it was in such a contrast to my normal life, you know, in New York, working in media, and then going to Hong Kong, and you're at the airport, and there are four maids waiting to, like, take your bags and then you come through customs. And it's just like, this is such a bizarre world. I have to capture it in a book. You know, so I, I wanted to. Did you ever have a publisher come up against and say, Kevin, the book is too Asian or anything like that? Like, did you know that it would actually resonate in a broad way? That was never a comment. If anything, there were comments of like, this is too outrageous. No one will ever believe it. And I would say, well, this really happened. And this is how these people do things. And yes, there are this many planes. And yes, people take this many helicopters. And yes, the house looks like this. So they really are that rich. Oh, right. yeah, well, absolutely. But they, they wanted me to tone things down for the sake of believability, if you can imagine it. Speaking of um, planes, I know I had we have a few of your fans in our office, and we wanted to know in the second book, it's all about you know crazy rich Chinese. And... Don't give away too much. I'm okay. going to freak out. But, yeah. <laughs> but we did want to ask you, is there really a private plane that's a Boeing with a koi pond? Is that real? It's a mashup of several planes I've heard about or seen. Basically. So I didn't want to describe one entire plane because I, you know, then it would really implicate the family that owns it. But certainly there are planes with the most elaborate, you know, there are planes with bowling alleys, if you can imagine. Like, how do you bowl in turbulence? I don't understand. But, but why do you want to bowl on a plane? Anyways, that, that's yeah, a whole other story. That's a whole, <laughs> yeah, but, you know, Boeing is now doing all these private jets and they're mainly for either rich, you know, 
Gulf Arab country potentates or they're for the Chinese. Same with all the homes. You know, it's definitely all about home porn. And it, are there families that are just copying a hotel decor for their homes in China? Is that Absolutely. True? And that was actually inspired by a true story. I was at the Puli Hotel in Shanghai, which I don't know if you've been there, but it's I've just, been to Shanghai once, but I haven't been to that yeah, hotel, no. Such a chic, beautiful space, uh-huh. you know, and Giorgio Armani stares there, Bern, you know, Bernard Arnault, all the, you know, all the fashion people yeah. go there because it's just so, it's beautiful. It's a chic hotel, very monochromatic. There's a beautiful lobby culture. And the general manager told me as he was giving me the tour, he's like, every day we have people coming in, taking pictures of like pillow details. They even bring their like measuring tape in um, because they all want to copy this lobby. And he's shown me actually pictures of other resorts and private homes that have ripped off this lobby. It's just kind of funny. Oh, my gosh. So I wanted to parody that that in the new book. But I love it because I think nobody actually visualizes all of those locations and locales as much as you and you've seen it all how much research did you do do you have to go live in asia to research these books for you know for the first book i didn't have to because so much of that was familiar to me already from travels from living there but for the second book china rich girlfriend i really went to china and for me it's so important for me to breathe the air in the room that i'm writing about Mm -hmm. and actually see it before i can write about it like i have no imagination i'm just i don't believe that like these interior designers but the description (laughs) of the imagination is kind of awesome so in a way, I, I talk about the visualization of it all because a lot of it will have to come into play when there is a movie. I'm not even saying if because you're already in development for Crazy Rich Asians as a movie. Oh, yeah. We're, we're way past development. I mean, so where are you in now? You have, have a the final script. script did you so write the script? I did not write the script. You did not write oh, the yeah, script. No, I didn't want to go anywhere. But you control the writing of the script. You know, I was a consultant. So I helped to choose the screenwriters. I worked with them to sort of help inspire them. You know, both the screenwriters that were involved went to Singapore, went to Hong Kong. You know, because I wanted them to really see this world, you know. Was, what did they change it a lot from the book? Can't you know, it. it's <laughs> really inspired by the book. Okay. So I think fans will be happy. But, you know, it's, you can't take a book that's 500 pages and condense it into an hour and 45 minutes no. without having to make some And you have to remove some characters and you have to remove some yeah, storylines. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, is it 100% completely the book? No, it's not. But is I there think a director it's, attached? Not yet. So you haven't started casting? Yeah, not yet. So, so are you? An, but do, do you intend, or I mean, at least as a consultant, do you know if there's an intention to have an all Asian cast? Absolutely, you know, that is amazing, one hundred percent. And I am yeah, so that's so important. I mean, from the start, I mean, I chose this team. I chose to work with Nina Jacobson because she promised me that this would be a movie Absolutely. that would have the dream team cast of the best Asian actors. Pan-Asian from all over Asia and Asian-American actors. Because so. you know that it could get whitewashed in a minute in the wrong hands. Yeah, but why would they want to do that? You know what I mean? The mo- Cameron Crowe cast yeah. Emma Stone yeah. as an Asian woman in Aloha. That's the best Aloha. example. I mean, I think it couldn't even get... That isn't yeah. even... Uh, oh, well, maybe I could see that. <laughs> there wasn't anything. Well, I think the filmmakers are really committed to making the fan base happy mm-hmm. and to making... Asia happy. They want this movie to do well in the Chinese box office and in you know the Asian Such box office. So like, why would they cast Brad Pitt as Nicholas Young? It would make no sense. It would make no sense. You know? Do you have any dream cast you would like to play Nicholas and Rachel? Oh yeah. Well, you know, I have. I certainly Ooh, have my favorites. But, can you, you tell know, us? I can't. I can't. Oh! I've signed my life away. So oh. I, you know, and I think I don't think it's fair. Also, as, as the author, to say, oh, I, I visualize sure. this person, that person. I can't wait for auditions to begin. And so we can really see who comes and who brings it. Yeah. Who really... Are there auditions? Are are they starting soon? They will be. Yeah. So maybe it might be a 2016 movie or 2017, it sounds like. We'll see. Like, I don't want to put a date on it. I'm only putting a date on it because I'm so excited. I think everyone's committed to getting this out as soon as possible. But they want to do it right. 
You know what I mean? Because there, there's going to be so many highly critical Asians, you yeah. know, about three billion of them, <laughs> deconstructing every bit of this movie. So oh, we want to make absolutely. sure we do justice to and it. And China Rich Girlfriend, is that already being discussed as a movie as well? Oh, yeah. It's this the sequel, exciting. you know, but the first one has to do well. So people have to hopefully support it. You know, I love it. We'll That's, support it. Uh, we'll definitely support Thank it. Thank you. Speaking of which, I was wondering what the response in your hometown in Singapore has been. You know, it's been, I mean, it's been extremely positive. You know, it's been a bestseller. The book's been a bestseller there. The new one's a bestseller there. I think I'm right behind E.L. James. That's amazing. <laughs> Fifty Shades and Crazy Rich Asians. I want yeah. to go to Singapore. Exactly. All so favorites. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, what's even more interesting is that I've been getting letters and like fan mail from, from people in this crowd, from the CRA crowd. You know, right. Because I wasn't sure me. whether they would be critical or not. You know, you know, some are, but it's interesting that the new generation, the younger CRAs, um, the baby CRAs, a lot. I've I've gotten letters and people have reached out to me saying, you know, thank you for doing this, thank you for for bringing light into this strange. You know, I thought I came from a strange family until I read your book, and I, I could suddenly relate and realize, oh my god, I'm not alone. You know, so that to me is very touching to to, to hear from people that can really identify with the issues in the book. And how many? How much of you is in the characters? Would you say you're more? Nick, or what would you say you're more anybody? Or are would you, you Nick? Are you, know, you Rachel? Yeah, like, I'm you definitely not yourself. any one of the characters, but I think as a writer, you, you know, your DNA is in every character in some way because you're, you know, it's you're taking your voice and you're adapting it into the minds of these characters. Um, so I wouldn't say there's one defining character that's me. I think I'm in a lot of them, but then again, I'm also writing about these crazy people. So am I that crazy? I, don't think i hope not <laughs> you, you know beef and i are also huge foodies we sit here and talk about it all the time and the fact that i thought you were canadian and you're not but you're like a new yorker which is even better because now i'm going to put you on the spot and be like favorite chinese restaurant in new york and favorite asian re- restaurant in new york because i'm going to populate them really quick yeah well i love four five six shanghai cuisine wait, you know that? that on mod street <laughs> wait what they Somebody have, we're gonna they have there. the reservation. Best, best soup dumpling what? really Pao. better Absolutely. than joe shanghai better than Way better. Okay. Way Four, better. Four, five, six. Four, five, six, Shanghai Cuisine. Okay. Um, Sam Sifkin, New York Times, gave it one star. Where have we and, been? Yeah, it's amazing. Wow. And then for, you know, Singapore Malaysian food, I love New Malaysia. Where's that? I do know where that is. It's hidden in an alley. It's in the mall. Between Bowery and... I've been there. Yeah. And that, to great. me, is like more Malaysian authentic home cooking. Interesting. You know? Um, so those those two would be my favorites. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So you're not quite running around because we were talking about the Trinity in London of like the Chinese food. And well, all there's that, that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And for all those who are listening <laughs> to this in London, you can run to Four Seasons and get duck. <laughs> Royal China for dim sum, and then Mandarin Kitchen for the lobster noodles. That's to me, that's the holy trinity. I, I've, so, I've, yeah. I've never been to any of those places, and I've been to London a thousand times. I feel like I now know. Now I we have to go. To make a trip. You go. It will blow your mind because, just to you go know, eat. I think you know the Chinese food in London is. I hate to say it, it's superior to what we get here in yeah. New York. So, and I think you tackled, yeah. you, you talked about plastic surgery in China too in, in, in the book. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's, a, <laughs> there's a ton of plastic surgery in New York. But, you know, it's, I try to reflect what's going on in contemporary culture in China now. And it's so much a part of their lives, especially the moneyed crowd. They're getting everything done. Right. Are there know? all these new developments you learned about in like plastic surgery and all the new things they're all They're all doing? going to Korea. Right. They're all going to Seoul. And so, you know, they, because they actually, it's cheap or because it's easy? No, it's because the best work is being done there. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. That's what people are saying. They're the most and, developed. And, you know, if you're up and coming, if you've got some money, the thing to do now is, you know, when your daughter graduates, you give them the money to go get plastic surgery. 
it's like a rite of passage because they feel that your looks will really help you get ahead in the corporate world. So or that, in, in that's, whatever that, that's sort yeah. of Asian thinking. So like it's not even yeah. that you get plastic surgery at 60, you get it at 16. Yeah. That's that's fascinating. Is that the new Asian through. kind of, you know? Yeah, I think it's, about... it's the new China rich. That's yeah. what they're doing. Because that's... you also have like the Astrid Leung old family. You do. But that's not as much an evidence in China yet. I mean, the money is so new in China. Of course, now you have what they call the second generation rich, the food or I. But they're still far Wait, removed. they're called the food or I? Food. Oh, food or I. You know, oh. I'm, my Chinese is horrible. So it's. Well, mine's non-existent. Yeah. So that's kind of great. Yeah. And for everybody listening, if you don't know, there are three Asians sitting in this room having this very conversation. Yet for, for, for very different people. And I kind of love that. But which brings me to understand sort of. Your Asian fan base, or just your fan base here in America, how different are they than your fan base in Asia? Like, is it a very different type of group? Completely different. In what way? You know, I think, you know, my fan base here is mainly Americans, you know? Asian Americans are a very small subset of the of the. Oh, fan so it's base. Caucasian Americans. It's Caucasian Americans. It's overwhelmingly Caucasian Americans. Wait, I why find. do you think Asian Americans aren't identifying with the book, or at least not part of this weird cult status that Beefin and I are? I th- I think, you know, I don't know. I think for the most part, you know, most Asian Americans don't think they might have any interest in the book. I, you know, I haven't really figured it out, but it's, I I've, I've grow, been seeing I think, more and more Asian Yeah, I think also Asian Americans, yeah. you sort of grow up with a lot of sort of, I don't want to say self-hate, that's probably too heavy a word, but I think you grow up with a lot of thing where like you simulate into sort of white American culture. In so a there's way. a rejection of anything. There that's is sort a of rejection. A, yeah. Like I don't want my house to smell like Chinese vinegar. I yeah. don't want to eat chicken feet. I don't want to have soup dumplings. I'm not reading Chinese and I'm not going to read books about Chinese. So they're not going to until Josie tells them to do it. And Josie's right? telling them right now. And <laughs> Josie's saying, run, don't walk. Crazy Rich Asians right now read it if you haven't read it. And I am say shame on you if you have not. But that's okay because I'm telling you about it now. And then, of course, China Rich Girlfriend. which Equally you guys compelling. Keep it on your nice end like I do. I will read it with you together at the same time because I'm going to pressure Kevin to not wait two years to write another book. <laughs> Wait, is there Boy. another one in the works? There is hopefully another one in the works. Oh, I have to take a you, break first. I know I mean, when you say I've that like been... it's only in your brain. I want it to be pen to paper. Well, at least laptop. I'm I'm hoping it will happen. Okay, I'm going to hold your word to that, okay? Tell Thank... my publisher. I will. <laughs> oh, they'll be happy, I'm sure. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> and on to our next segment, The Big Five. Big week, big stories. Here to discuss the big five are the editors from Yahoo Style. Today we have me, Lauren Tuck. I'm the news editor. And Leanne Duggan, senior editor at Yahoo Style. Erica Ostroff, assistant editor at Yahoo Style. Beefin Sue, special projects director at Yahoo Style. So today is the first official day of New York Fashion Week. This year's actually a little different. Recently, WME and IMG, two management companies, they recently came together and formed this massive behemoth of a management company. They rep everyone from the best stylists, the best celebrities, the best of the best, basically. And they're looking to transform Fashion Week into not just an insider industry kind of thing. They want it to be for everyone. They want fashion to be entertainment, basically. So Ari Emanuel, you know, you might recognize the name kind of, you know, from Entourage. Only the best show ever. Yeah, a total parody. Jeremy Piven. Yeah, Jeremy (laughs) Piven. It's a total parody of him. But this guy basically runs Hollywood and he's here to take over Fashion Week. 
So the New York Times did a big story and they even talked to him. And he said, when we look at the world, we see fashion, sports, movies, TV, books. They're all just different aspects of global entertainment consumption. So Leanne, you've been to a few shows. What do you think? I think it's really funny because I'm not sure that fashion is ready to think of itself as mass entertainment, right? Like we're in the fashion world. We still think that we are all little wannabe like Anna Wintour's. And I don't know if we see ourselves as being grouped in with sports and movies and TV and all that stuff, you know, like we we still think it's fashion, darling, you know. But I, Leanne, I I agree with you, but I actually went to um, a show this morning at Moynihan Center correct me if I'm wrong, station, Mm -hmm. excuse me. And I think it just has to do more with the fact that, you know, it's entertainment for everyone. It's, It's about making it accessible for everyone, like sports. For example, my cousin just started at Parsons and she was able to come and pop in. So that was really exciting for her. And it just, I think it speaks volume to the fact that they're trying to make it accessible. I completely get that. I think that like a major thing that's been happening in the last couple of years is the democratization of who gets to go to these shows, right? Like it used to be such a controversy when Dolce & Gabbana, I think it was in like 2010 or something like that, invited a few bloggers to sit front row. And that was like the biggest story. Fashion editors were totally outraged and now seeing bloggers. That's the norm. Well, it even has some fun stories of trying to get into fashion shows. (laughs) Oh, yes. Um, Many years ago. Well, not that many, but at Marc Jacobs, you know, that was always the hottest ticket, you know, when I was kind of a fashion still assistant. Yes, yeah, still is. That's true. That's kind of the new sh- the show in New York. I used to um, steal my boss's ticket. Hi, oh. Bruce. Um, <laughs> and I would Xerox them and put them on card cardstock and bring like all my friends and we would, you know, hang out in the standing room and just we were at a Mark Jacobs show where Kim Gordon played. Oh, amazing. And stuff. But now I think, you know, I, fashion is on TV. Mm-hmm. I think in a way it never was before. So There's going to be an ABC Family two hour special. They're filming it. That was part Which of the show? story. Um, they're filming during New York Fashion Week, oh, okay. and there's, oh. there's going to be a two-hour fashion special wow. on ABC Family, which seems interesting. It kind of makes sense, though. Don't right. you think like the the reality shows led the way in everybody and their mother being interested in fashion? Like for me, I, I mean, even Absolutely. for me, Project Runway Rachel was Zoe. huge. Rachel Zoe, completely. I mean, Lauren Conrad. I mean, Hello. Josie. <laughs> Hello. Shout out. <laughs> Yeah, we kind of work with that guy. <laughs> yeah, but I think, you know, whereas it used to be this super rarefied thing, you know, and it was just the the fancy fashion editor getting out of the town car in her like four inch Manolos, you know, now it's much more like an every girl thing and every girl wants to like, wear you know, your Stan Smith. Yes, and... wear your Stan Smith and see what's going on in this yeah. world and show up at this, you know, exciting event. And so the, the rise of the fashion show as an event is, rather than like, just an industry insidery thing is major. Or even the way normal people, you know, they see Grace Coddington in the street because of the September issue, mm-hmm. you know, just like regular kids are so excited to see her. And she used to be such an insider. Totally. Yeah. People used to be like, who's that crazy lady with the frizzy red hair? Right. People are now like, Grace, Grace. Right. You know, she did a whole book off of it and stuff. So I definitely think it's ready to come into the mainstream. And I think there's no going back, you know, like there's no there's no putting that, you know, cat back in the bag. Once people have like been invited, feel like they're invited into this world and know about it. It's addicting. Like we were all that girl who was not a part of fashion, but wanted to be. You know? And now it's hashtag you can sit with us. Mm-hmm, totally. Yeah, but only if you have a seat assignment. <laughs> 
Okay, speaking of Fashion Week, street style stars, they are so crazy sometimes. Like peacocking to get street style photographers' attention, they wear some really insane things. But right now, New York is experiencing some record highs. It's 90 degrees, it's so hot. But it's a time when people still want to trot out their fall clothes. Like, I'm just waiting to see someone come out in, what are those fur, there was a word for them, like the long fur. Oh, I saw one today at um, oh, there we Fashion go. Week. Stole? Yeah, one of the first stoles, the like bright colored fur. Yeah, don't they call them like a noodle or something like that? I mean, they look like swimming noodles. <laughs> they do. Yeah. I mean, I was just at a presentation last night um, for the Jennifer Fisher jewelry brand, and it was like in this really chic space in the meatpacking district, really elegant, beautifully lit. And you walk in and there's like so many girls there. It's all the fashion editors. They're wearing their like heavy Miu Miu boucle wool skirts because, you know, why not? It's on Net-A-Porter, girl, but pull it out. Um, And, you know, girls in like gabardine black wool jumpsuits. And you're just like, are you serious? But of course, whereas... I'm doing the schlep from the subway station into the venue and then, you know, running back out to write my story. These girls waltz out and get into a, a car, you know, and go to their next like, event. Even those 10 feet, <laughs> I couldn't it's imagine. Right, right. No, I totally agree. You have to be willing to commit to discomfort for fashion. I could never do that. Mm, I don't think I love anything that much in life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you see me committing to flats and Doc Martens every day, so I am not that girl either. But what you um, – the funny thing is what you don't know or maybe you do know is all these girls prepare their looks all summer. Oh, yeah. So they have oh rolling racks gosh. and they have Polaroid cameras. And I know some of these girls that are, you know, in all the street style pictures and they've literally been working on it since last season. Oh, yeah. It's a full-time job. So they're not going to let 100 degrees get in the way of wearing their new Moo Moo blue clay whatever. You know, that they're, they scheduled for Tuesday. Exactly. Right. Like they <laughs> – there are people who are literally – have racks in their homes that have put together looks that have um, chosen from lookbooks and taken Polaroids of themselves for each day of Fashion Week. Yeah, and they're calling the PR companies and they're they're calling in, you know, garments to borrow just to wear to a fashion show, just like you would do if you were, you know, going to be on the cover of a magazine. It's really intense. And don't show up in the same thing as another editor, because I've seen that happen before and it's awkward. And it's like, ooh, you're both front row. I feel really bad for you. (laughs) Thank you, Leanne. That was another good segue leading into our next story. So after the MTV VMAs, Miley Cyrus changed her outfit 11 times. Every single one of them was just asking for a nip slip. She basically was wearing lingerie that shrunk in the dryer. But she's not the first one to do the naked dress. You know, there was Beyonce, J-Lo, and Kim Kardashian before her trending at... The Met Gala, I mean, even Carolina Herrera had to write an op-ed about how much she hated the naked dress. (laughs) But there were some people at the VMAs who actually put some clothes on. And one of our editors, Britt Abutalib, wrote a story, Cheers to the Women Who Wear Clothes. At the MTVMAs, there were a few women, Pharrell's wife Helen, Haley Steinfeld, and Selena Gomez, who were covered up, which is a drastic difference from the trendy naked dress and Miley Cyrus's many outfit change. So... It's interesting to see that, you know, even after Carolina Herrera said something that we're now seeing this, you know, it was like peak naked. And now we're seeing a trend back to, you know, women wearing clothes again. So what do you think of that, Beefin? 
I mean, I guess women have been trying to look naked on the red carpet for a long time, right? Has that just been happening for a while? Like even in the 80s, there was, oh, Elizabeth Hurley is one of my favorite people that do that, <laughs> that used to do that a lot. And I guess there's always the fashion vanguard group, which in this situation was Dakota Johnson, Diane Kruger. Those girls are a little more fashion forward. And I think those people do tend to cover themselves up because they're just rebelling against taking the easy road. Is that the, the easy road is being naked, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's trendy. I mean, I think just like anything else, it's a trend. Trends come and go, the ebb and flow of fashion. So I think now it's time for girls, ladies, women to wear more clothing. And I think it's such an important point that was made in the article that like, it's not about shaming women for wanting to show off their bodies and looking amazing in these like very nude look dresses. It's just that, you know, at a certain point, that was really boundary pushing. And we have gotten to the point where that is just such overkill, like, okay, we've seen it. it we always know there's going to be like some hot, sexy babe pop star. We know you have a great body. We don't need to see you naked at every single event. So at this point, like, yeah, maybe like the way Pharrell's wife wore this super cute little like double denim outfit with an overall and a little pork pie hat like maybe that's the new sexy is like just feeling comfortable and you know you don't have to like show it all i like that leanne thanks lauren yeah <laughs> it really reminds me of met ball when kim k showed up in her naked dress and or then, when beyonce made us wait and then hour. beyonce showed up in her <laughs> naked dress and i don't think any of us were excited by any of it i no. guess we were all tired of the naked dress no by it gets so old and tired and you feel bad because and you they, you know, Beyonce didn't eat any meat or butter for like weeks to get into that dress. Hashtag 22 days vegan. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Girls know their stuff. But Kate Young has actually been leading the way. This is our next story. All hail Kate Young, stylist to Selena Gomez, Natalie Portman, and everyone else you love. She's been dressing these women in such a sophisticated way as opposed to, you know, the Beyonce's, the Kim Kardashian's, and the JLo's of the world. Like, she recently at the Venice Film Festival, Dakota Johnson just totally won. What did you think, Erica? I thought she did a phenomenal job. She dressed her well, but she actually also carried herself extremely well. And it was very classy and stylish, all while being conservative. So I think she gets tens all around. And there's still a little bit of personality, you know, like Dakota Johnson is never the girl who shows up and she's looking super done and like obnoxiously perfect. Like, I don't want to say Kate Bosworth, but, you know, <laughs> there's some celebs who you just feel like you will never attain in a million years. Whereas, you know, somebody like Dakota Johnson wears a dress beautifully. She's still got a little bit of personality. Maybe like the hair is a little messy and it's just it's a look that still looks like her. It's not super formulaic. Beefin, do you have any strong opinions on Natalie Portman? I mean, I think Kate Young is super talented and um, has a super specific aesthetic and all her girls always are kind of the cool girls you want to be and always at the award seasons like Natalie Portman for when she won for Black Swan and she was doing that season was always in something interesting and the designers were people, you know, you never heard of and they were more insidery. So definitely I think Kate Young is super talented and um, making interesting red carpet looks at least because we're we'll all get bored if not. I also recently saw that, um, who was it, uh, Reese Witherspoon, who we all know was just named um, People Magazine's Best Dressed Celeb for 2015. Um, Reese said specifically that she looks to Natalie Portman. Um, and I think she might have mentioned Selena, too. So she must be a, oh. a big Kate Young fan. But, you know, specifically mentioning them as celebs who look young and elegant and also that are petite, but still dress really well for their body type. So kudos to Kate Young. She's also one of our nice girls. 
Mm, yes, the nice girl in fashion thing. The nice girl in and fashion. And they do finish first. <laughs> nice girls always finish first. So for years, the fashion industry had a reputation for breeding bitches. We can say bitches because someone said cocaine before, so <laughs> we're good to go. But now there's more of a trend upwards towards the nice girls. So have you experienced any of this, Leanne? Um, I can actually say that I have personally been the beneficiary of one of the nice girls that we mentioned in our article, um, Eva Chen, who's now director of special projects at Instagram, but formerly um, was a Teen Vogue beauty editor, eventually rose to lucky editor-in-chief. She is a fashion editor who is known for having an elevated, really beautiful taste. She has every right to be a bitch. You know, she's got these amazing jobs, unlimited clothing budget, but she is so nice. So she's somebody that I reached out to really early in my career, and I got such a sweet, supportive message from her and she like even hooked me up with a like an interview at Teen Vogue way back in the day so she's somebody that it's just she doesn't have to do that she doesn't have to answer every tweet and email but she does it and I will never know how that woman finds the time but it's just about like fostering those relationships and like mentoring people and being willing to reach out which is amazing and so new in fashion it's not common enough what about you Beefin you were you've really experienced both ends of it Yeah, I mean, I think actually the funny thing is I actually think the best people, the people at the top, write the emails back. Um, Our own boss, Joe Z, he's great at about giving people responses, but I've met a lot of people. And actually, it's the funny thing. And I've, you know, asked a lot of people to coffee in my career and uh, met a a lot of great women editors. Um, You know, I've I've been, you know, I've had informational interviews with Sally Singer, Jenna Lyons, and all those people I didn't really know. I just, you know, asked them out of the blue, and they've all been really nice. So the funny thing is, actually, I think the more mediocre people are the ones that are ghosting you. Um, <laughs> kind of ironic, right? Yeah, it's that's the funny thing is it's it's really not it's really not those people at the top. So it's kind of amazing to see that people at the top are the you know they're succeeding, but they're also pretty nice. Yeah, because people in the middle are so wrapped up in like thinking, oh, this is how a fashion editor should be. I love this one quote from Lauren Sherman, the writer of the piece. She says, it's important to note that nice doesn't have to mean wet blanket. You can be demanding without being a dick. I love that. Of course. I mean, I think there's a fine line between being able to assert power and be capable and confident and, you know, knowing what you're doing as opposed to just being a bitch, for lack of a better term. Like if you are intelligent and you are a woman who knows what you want, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be mean. Totally. I also think it actually loops into our first conversation about fashion coming into the mainstream. That's what I was going to say. Like, if you're going to make it accessible, make it accessible at all ends. And you see that with Eva and you see that with Eva Chen and you see that with Josie is they're now coming into the mainstream and they're both very nice. I think it almost the mainstream is like push... I mean, not that they're not nice naturally, but, you know, it is pushing it to be a nicer, friendlier place. I used to intern at Vogue in early 2000s, and, you know, it no one was that nice. It was the Devil Wears Prada. You were picking up dry cleaning. You were getting money out of an ATM for someone, and it was about, like, throwing the code on the floor and totally. picking it up. So maybe that's something to do with it, too. Also, can we just say the budgets were really different and much bigger then? So guess what? There might not be an assistant running around, you know, playing ball girl, you know, catching your coat when you drop it on the floor. So you better get used to doing it yourself. Well, is it almost like the fall of print, like coinciding with the fall of print and the rise of the internet. Totally. Is, right. Yeah. I mean, you even see that in social media. We'll check back next week for that story on Yahoo <laughs> Style. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Leanne Duggan, for being here. Thanks so much for having me. And Erica Ostroff. Thanks, Lauren. And Beef and Zoo. Always a pleasure. That wraps up the Big Five. 
We're back with our Cards Against Humanity fashion take. So here's how it goes. We each get a card and it says something on it. And then we have to fill in the blank with something fashion related. So we're here with Leanne and Amy O'Dell. Hi, everyone. This is Leanne, senior editor of Yahoo Style. And we're really excited to be here today with Amy O'Dell, editor of the wildly popular and very addictive site Cosmopolitan.com. And she's also author of the recently released book Tales from the Back Row, a very hilarious collection of essays about uh, being an outsider in the absurd and delightful world of fashion. Hi, Amy. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. So can you give us a little background on your book? I sure can. Thanks. So it's called Tales from the Back Row. And um, that's because as, as you and probably many of your listeners know, the back row is where you sit if you are a nobody <laughs> at a fashion show. And all of these somebodies like the Anna Wintours of the world sit in the front row. Um, and the book is a collection of funny essays about what it's like to sort of enter that world when you have no idea what's going on and you don't understand anything about fashion and you're looking at a runway show and you are going, what the hell is this hideousness? And everyone around you seems to be loving it. And um, that's, yeah, that's kind of what it's about. I have to read it. That's my life right now. It's so good. And you're like, why are people paying so much money to wear ripped tights? Why? Yeah, I don't understand that. And yet they do. (laughs) But yeah, there's a lot of fun stories in there about what it's like to be at Fashion Week and move amongst celebrities and um, what it's like to have a job interview with Anna Wintour. You read the book. What what else is in it? I don't even remember. Okay, spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, she did not get the job with Anna Wintour, unfortunately. No, which is why I'm at Cosmo, but <laughs> delightfully, delightfully um, employed at Cosmo. Yes, it's it's not a bad thing, but, um, you know, Anna has a reputation for probably rejecting more than she accepts. So you're you're in very good company. I myself was rejected for a job at Vogue also. Oh, so, really? Mm-hmm. Yes. Did you interview with Anna? No, I did not get up to the Anna Winter level. They only oh, let think, me get as far as uh, Sally Singer. I think we talked about this mm-hmm. when, when you so kindly interviewed me for Yahoo Style. Yeah. So it happens to the best of us, and it happens to many of us. Um, but there's so many great stories in the book. You know, like if, if, if you've ever worked in fashion or been curious about what it's like to work in fashion or just wonder, you know, to, we're taping this on the first day of New York Fashion Week. So if you're wondering what all these freakishly dressed people are doing, teetering in insane shoes around, you know, Chelsea in the meatpacking district. Wearing leather jackets when it's 90 degrees out. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite. This is the book you want to read. Okay, so I, I don't know what this says about me, but I thought about wearing a leather jacket today. Mm-hmm. Today, but I was like, it oh, looks gloomy be 20, outside, right? It's be 20 degrees cooler today. Maybe I'll be cold and there's always air conditioning. It makes you want to die in your office. So yeah, I should no. wear a leather jacket. I'm just waiting for someone to wear fur. I know it will happen. Oh, of course. Yeah. And fur shoes. Yeah. There have to have been so many fur shoes at the shows already. We've I seen, haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen I the fur see shoes. Some, oh my but... God, because it's raining in New York today, guys. I'm going to a fashion show after this. I really want to see someone wearing fur shoes in the rain. Oh, 100% yes. going to happen. Make my the sing. Gucci loafers, just like you spent thousands of dollars on those and they're ruined now. I could see that going well with um, what was the outfit we saw? Carly Kloss catching a cabin was like a, a full boyfriend jean and like a heavy sweatshirt. And she's like, just hail him, cab, happy as can be. But you know what? Mm-hmm. It's chic to be wearing unseasonal clothes in summer because it means you're just so skinny and cold all the time (laughs) yeah and she's the kind of person who's very much like a car to building like i feel like that's how you know you've hit a certain status in life is when you are like wearing white jeans at a day after the blizzard because you're going from your car to a building and that's it impractical shoes total power move yeah unseasonal clothes totally boss 
Okay, so we're going to start the game. I'll pass out the cards, and then I will go first, and I will read my card, and I'll fill in the blank with something very funny and fashion-related. Actually, don't expect it to be really funny. (laughs) This is so much pressure. So, in a thousand years, when paper money is a distant memory, how will we pay for goods and services? Um, Well, obviously, Bitcoin, because everything's going to be on the internet, right? Yeah, completely. I've got a great collection of Bitcoins. I'm just waiting to cash really? in. No, not really. But it blows my mind that you can invest money in money. It's a whole weird thing. Yeah, blows my mind. <laughs> it's so confusing. So wait, I don't have to do your card now, do I? No, no, you pick your own oh, card. Oh, thank God. Okay. No, that one was tough. All right. Not funny. Um, let's see. In a world ravaged by blank, our only solace is blank. So I'm filling these in. Yeah. Okay. In a world ravaged by... Um, soul cycle adherence <laughs> why did soul cycle come to, that's not even okay it is a fashion thing though right like yeah soul cycle is totally a fashion what thing. fashion I mean, girl would be without on. her weekly soul cycle fix okay weekly i mean daily actually uh in a world ravaged by soul cycle our only solace is not giving a fuck <laughs> not working out ever okay i tried juice yeah, I was going to say green juice. Mm. The kale muffin. <laughs> Way better. You I gonna... know that's like the bad day for the soul cycle addict. Oh, my God. I had a kale muffin. I let them put lemon in my green juice. Sorry. Right. I'm going to throw to you next time. Okay. <laughs> Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's Botox. Mm. Really, though. Actually, always Botox. Always Botox. <laughs> Real housewives alert. Okay, it's my turn. Next one is... Weird, maybe song lyrics, probably before my time because I'm not getting it. This is the way the world ends. This is the way the world ends, not with a bang, but with fireworks at a, the end of. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. What if it ends with Betsy Johnson's cartwheel down the runway? Okay, I like that. By the way, that was... I was thinking of a fashion reference and then I draw, I drew a blank. Jean Paul Gaultier's show. There mm, we go. That I'm was it. Done. I got it. It finally came to me. I'm pretty sure that was a T.S. Eliot quote. Okay, there we go. (laughs) He wrote great song lyrics. Don't even worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, um, my turn. I spend too much time on the internet. Mm, Same. Um, Okay, so just turn this one over. In Okay, this looks controversial. Bear with me. In L.A. County Jail, word is you can trade 200 cigarettes for um, for a ticket to the Tom Ford show. Huh? Hot ticket in L.A. County. That's so true. You know Although, this. is it going to be in L.A. County this year? Yeah. Okay. Maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot he showed in L.A. Uh-huh. How unfashion of him. It's super unfashioned, but it's kind of the most fashionable thing because as the New York Times will not stop telling us, L.A. is way cooler than New York and any other place right now. I don't know that I agree. I Anywhere you that have I to drive, it's not cool. Yeah, I can't handle I, it. It is beautiful there, and I do love it, but it's not. I don't know. It's not cooler than New York. There's more. I have no special attachment, and there's to more New green York juice. Either. Can't be cooler. <laughs> yeah, everything is vegan there. So vegan. And you go out to dinner with people, and they're like, "I made a reservation. It's vegan Mexican." And you're like, "That's not and a then thing. you go and you eat there, and you're like, "Why isn't there cheese on?" And you're this? like, "Let's go to the taco truck around the corner, please." Yeah, for real. LA needs to stop. <laughs> <laughs> it is not the next New York. Okay, Amy, your turn. Um, this is a question. It says, why can't I sleep at night? Oh, why can't you sleep at night? 
Because I'm on a fashion week diet of cocaine and coffee. <laughs> Brilliant. Where's it's the champagne? Real. Champagne in there? Oh, and sh- yeah, obvi. Champagne and whatever like weird free wine they're giving away at, at <laughs> it's fashion a, week. It's always the fat Jewish Michael wine, Rose. by the way. Yeah. Michael Rosé. There you go. The most fashionable wine there is. <laughs> because if you've seen the fat Jewish, you know that that is a man you want to be emulating in what you eat and drink at all times. Okay, Lauren, over to you. Okay. What is Batman's guilty pleasure? I'm going to say tidy whities underneath his all black suit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah, I can 100% see that. Right? That's just that's just a pleasure. He likes mixing it up a little bit. <laughs> I think that the boxer thing is over. The boxer brief thing feels a little like fancy man, tidy whities all the way. It's like the female equivalent of boy shorts trending now. Or the granny panty. The granny panty. The granny panty right. is a real thing. Yeah. And we just did an interview with um, some some old ladies recently where they took offense to the term because they're like, we don't really wear granny panties, you know. Do they wear thongs? Mm, I don't, they didn't reveal. They just said they sexy. wear normal, normal underwear. Oh, okay. What you think you Wait, know that's about. That's actually fascinating asking grandmas about <laughs> granny panties. Yeah. Right. It's such an internet story. Apparently. <laughs> we For that on Cosmo.com. <laughs> <laughs> We've had it all wrong all this time. Okay, Leanne, one last time. Okay. Um, all right. So I have, that's right, I killed blank, how you ask? Mm, okay. That's right, I killed um, athleisure. Okay. <laughs> how you ask? Um, by showing up, killing it in a Scaparelli couture gown? Sure. Yeah. That would kill athleisure. <laughs> That'll kill athleisure. Okay, Amy, take okay. us out with a bang. Athleisure is the most annoying term 100% of all time for yeah. anything, I think. I think I get a chill down my spine every time <laughs> I type it. And I type it a lot. And I really hate that I do. And you hope that people outside the fashion world know we're kind of being ironic when we use it. But they probably don't. No. No, because that's that's what people wear. IRL. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some people wear. Um, well, to be fair, if I... Um, if I didn't have to like work in an office where you had to dress like you were in an office, I would wear athleisure every day. Like that would be nice. Oh, I so. can't wait to be a suburban mom and go to Starbucks in my Lululemon. What if we protest Fashion Week street style by going everywhere in athleisure? I feel like that happened and that was 2008. That was 2008? Well, I With was just... sweatpants? So the reason I'm thinking about it is because um, you actually have this story in your book about how you maybe had a little too much fun on a rooftop somewhere, maybe like took a little puff, puff pass of something and then went to shop the Alexander Wang. Pot. Yeah, you yeah, smoke pot. Yeah, 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 we don't have totally to be can. coy about it, right? Okay, so she got super high and went to the Alexander Wang sample sale. Mm-hmm. And sometimes this results in bad decisions, like glittery sweatpants, was it? No, they were just uh, light blue sweatpants. Oh, okay. That's not bad. I'm uh, no, they were really cool right at the time. Are you really? Yeah, kind oh, of. Oh, you are. Awesome. You do, you girl. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. Um, okay, should I do my last card? Okay, yeah. it's all you. When I am president of the United States. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> will you be Kanye? I, I will create the department of cats and sparkles. Yes. And abs. Amy O'Dell has my vote, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> I always, I play this game with my husband sometimes where I say, if you had your own city, what would it be like? Yeah. And I say that my city would have cats everywhere and lots of glittery stuff. Like the streets would be glittery. Like everything would just be glittery. And there would be like good house music playing everywhere you go. I feel like your ideal city is actually um, a Lisa Frank folder. <laughs> actually, is. that is my ideal city. <laughs> 
don't worry. They have that. We could take you to like a whole back to school aisle and you will be in your element. And there are like real one, pink dolphins. One big dance party. <laughs> yeah, like dolphins everywhere. And... Or we could just We're take her to Tumblr. Closer. We're one step closer. <laughs> or um, what are those things? That, oh, uh, blingies. Oh, Basically, yeah. Basically, I want my city to be like a giant blingy. You want it to be like a lot of happiness with cats. You want really it to be like MySpace cats. art, like circa yeah. 2010, which is kind I think of amazing. That, yeah. Don't you think that's kind of the best? Yeah. Like a good blingy just gets me every time. It's a magical place. Okay. So Amy, thank you so much for being here. Everybody, the book is Tales from the Back Row. It's been like such a delight. I've been telling people like any book that makes me actually want to get on the subway to Times Square to go to work every morning is a really wonderful thing. Been having a blast reading it and total must read for anybody who cares about fashion or wonders why other people give a shit about fashion. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been so fun playing cards against humanity with you guys. <laughs> Anytime. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Unbutton, brought to you by the editors of Yahoo Style. Now, I hope you enjoyed this as much as we did. And remember, you can find all the stories we talked about and more on yahoo.com/style. Until next time, look good and keep reading. Hold up. 